यशोदानंदन ब्रजजन रंजन जमुना तीरा बनचारी जमुना तीरा बनचारी जयो राधा माधव कुंज बिहारी जयो राधा माधव कुंज बिहारी जय श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री अद्वैत गदाधर श्रीवासदी गौरभक्तवृंद जयो श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री अद्वैत गदाधर श्रीवासदी गौरभक्तवृंद हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे 
हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे हरे राम हरे राम 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 हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा कृष्ण कृष्णा हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा 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 हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा कृष्ण कृष्णा हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा कृष्ण कृष्णा हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे जय गौरानिता 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 जय गौरानिता जय जगन्नाथ जय जगन्नाथ बलदेव जय श्री सुभद्रा
जयो राधा बल्लभ राधा बल्लभ श्री राधे जयो राधा बल्लभ राधा बल्लभ श्री राधे जाय जाय प्रभु पाद प्रभु पाद प्रभु पाद जाय जाय प्रभु पाद जाय जाय प्रभु पाद प्रभु पाद प्रभु पाद जाय जाय प्रभु पाद ಭಗವತೆವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ರೀಡಿಂಗ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ಶ್ರೀಮದ್ ಭಾಗವತಂ ಕ್ಯಾಂಟೋ ಸೆವೆನ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ನಂಬರ್ ಫೋರ್ ವರ್ಸ್ ನಂಬರ್ ನೈನ್ಟೀನ್ ಸಾಯಿಥಂ ನಿರ್ಜಿತ ಕಾಕೋಬ್ ಸಾಹಿತ್ಯ ನಿರ್ಜಿತ ಕಾಕೋಕರಾಷಯನ್ ಪ್ರಿಯನ್ ಏಕರಾಷಯನ್ ಪ್ರಿಯನ್ ಯಥೋಪಜೋಸಂಭುಂಜಾನೋಪಜೋಸಂಭುಂಜಾನೋಪ್ಯಾದಜಿತೇಂದ್ರಿಯ ನಾತ್ರಪ್ಯಾದಚಿತ್ಯಜಿತೇಂದ್ರಿಯ ಸ ಇಥಂ ನಿರ್ಜಿತ ಕಾಕೋಕರಾಷಯನ್ ಪ್ರಿಯನ್ ಯಥೋಪಜೋಸಂಭುಂಜಾನೋ ನಾತ್ರಪ್ಯಾದಜಿತೇಂದ್ರಿಯ ಸಾಹಿತ್ಯರ್ಜಿತ ಕಾಕೋ ಪ್ರಿಯ 
यथोपजोसंभुंजानो नात्रिप्यादचितेन्द्रिया इत्थम दस निर्जिता कांकर्ड काकुब ऑल डायरेक्शंस विदिन द यूनिवर्स एकरात द वन एम्परर ऑफ द होल यूनिवर्स विषयान मटेरियल सेंस ऑब्जेक्ट्स प्रियान वेरी प्लीजिंग यथा उपजोसम as much as possible. Bunjanaha enjoying. Na did not. Atripyat was satisfied. Ajitendriyaha being unable to control the senses. Translation. In spite of achieving the power to control in all directions and in spite of enjoying all types of dear sense gratification as much as possible, Hiranyakashipu was dissatisfied because instead of controlling his senses, he remained their servant. You can repeat the translation. In spite of achieving the power, in spite of achieving the power to control in all directions, and in spite of enjoying all types of dear sense gratification, as much as possible, Hiranyakashipu was dissatisfied because instead of controlling his senses, he remained their servant. This is an example of Asuric life. Atheists can advance materially and create an extremely comfortable situation for the senses. But because they are controlled by the senses, they cannot be satisfied. This is the effect of modern civilization. Materialists are very much advanced in enjoying money and women. Yet, dissatisfaction prevails within human society because human society cannot be happy and peaceful without Krishna consciousness. As far as material sense gratification is concerned, materialists may go on increasing their enjoyment as far as they can imagine. But because people in such a material condition are servants of the senses, they cannot be satisfied. Hiranyakashipu was a vivid example of this dissatisfied state of humanity. Can I get the Bhagavad Gita? Omagyanati Mirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Jainatasma Shri Guru Venamaha Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Sthapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Bandeham Shri Guru Shayuta Padakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatan Vitam Tam Sajeevam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakhan Vitamscha He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namastute Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindabhaneshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye 
वाचाकलपतुभ्य कृपा सिंधुभ्य पतिता पावनेभ्यो वैष्णवभ्यो नमो नम श्रीकृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभो निनंद्रीअद्वैतगदाधर श्रीवासदिगोरभक्तवृंद हरे कृष्ण हरे कृष्ण 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे नमो विष्णुपदाय कृष्ण पृष्ठाय भूतले श्रीमते भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी नीतिनामिने नमस्ते सरस्वती देवे गौरवाणी प्रचारिने निर्विशेष शून्यवादी पाश्चात्य देश तारिने So we're continuing with the subject matter of chapter fourth in seventh canto, which is describing how Hiranyakashipu is going to terrorize the universe. So this current verse is is very much uh, explaining our own condition when even when as devotees, material contamination prevails in our lives. Um, It's a very, very, very relevant topic to discuss even as devotees because we all are struggling with our senses, uncontrolled mind, impressions of previous lives and the new impressions which, ever, which we are accruing on ourselves and that are also not very productive and not are very helpful in our Krishna consciousness. So, um, we'll, we'll see what this verse can offer us and of course tomorrow is Ram Naomi the appearance of Lord Ram. So we will have, we'll just briefly discuss a couple of pastimes of Lord Ram, just to invoke the remembrance and prepare ourselves for tomorrow's festival. In light of this verse, we'll try to see, not exactly this verse, but the, the, the compassionate nature of the Lord, which is displayed throughout seventh canto. So this particular verse, there's a very amazing word right at the end of the shloka, which is Ajitendriya. Ajit means one who is conquered. Uh, one who is conquered, who has lost the battle, Ajit. Jit means to win. But Ajit means one who lost, who is unable to conquer. Uh, one who is conquered by the op opponent. Uh, Indriya, one who is conquered by the pushes of the senses. That is Ajitendriya. But our goal is to become Jitendriya. The whole goal of, of our Krishna conscious practice is to become Jitendriya so that when we become Jitendriya, the practice of bhakti becomes very smooth. Our, our, our way towards realizing Krishna is seamless and is very smooth. We see there, there are a lot of researches have been done by how very unsatisfied people 
behave, even though they're millionaires or billionaires in society. And there's a lot of research done by people trying to speak to them, asking them basic questions, and trying to understand what mindset is there, even though a person may have net worth of 50 million or above, uh, what exactly is the mindset that these people are still appearing so morose and not satisfied? And this is exactly what Hiranyakashipu's condition is right in this verse. Practically speaking, there was nothing which was outside of power of Hiranyakashipu. Other than, like previous verses, it came Brahma, Vishnu and Lord Shiva. Other than these three personalities, there was nobody who was disobeying, disobeying Hiranyakashipu. Still, not satisfied because that's the nature of material sense enjoyment. Unless we understand the nature of a particular commodity, while we are engaging in it, in, it, in utilizing it, if we don't understand the nature of it, um, we ourselves get illusioned. Uh, it's a bluff we are making in our own lives that we don't understand how material pleasures are meant to keep us unsatisfied. <clears throat> so Hiranyakashipu is experiencing that and, and so the, these great millionaires or even some billionaires in this research have experienced. So this is a quick research done uh, by Michael Norton, he's a Harvard Business School professor. And he is, he, his goal was to study the connection between happiness and wealth. Is there a connection? So there were two main central questions he's, his research was based on. And, and that was because, according to him, of course, he himself doesn't understand what spiritual life is. But still, he's very curious to understand if there is a, if there is a connection between happiness and wealth. So, so, so to, to understand what levels or what brings satisfaction in people's life, there are two central questions he had in his research. One was, Am I doing better than I was doing before? Am I better than before? And the second question was, am I doing better than other people? These are the two main central questions he had. And based on that, people are answering and, and uh, giving their own take on it. So, interesting thing is that a lot of things that actually matter in our lives it's very hard to measure based on these two questions. Am I better than I was before? And am I doing better than other people? It's very difficult to measure, especially the very classic example is for a parent to know that am I a better parent than before? How do you quantify it? How do you measure it? Mm? Am I a better person than before? Uh, am, I, am I displaying better consciousness than before. The devotees may ask this question. Mm. Yesterday, that's why yesterday Keshapur was mentioning in the class that we must be able to track it for our own self that am I a better devotee than last year? Mm. But all these questions, it's very difficult to quantify. Mm. So the, that, uh, and am I a better, of course, for devotional point of view, we don't com compare like that. Am I a better devotee than the other person? But here it's a material research. So their comparison is, am I a better parent than my neighbor? So it's very difficult to quantify such, such, uh, uh, on such parameters. So the only option or one of the, one of the, one of the um, 
he literally says one of the one of the most terrific option left is money on how people quantify whether they are successful in life or not so am i doing am i making more money than before it's easy to quantify because you can just judge your bank balance do i have a house which is bigger in more in square feet than before it's easy to quantify do i have more houses than i had before it's easy to quantify so the so then materially speaking people judge and rate their success on these very subject matters which which is easily calculated not the important ones because it's very difficult to calculate the important aspects of life mm. because as different aspects of life are much more subtler than this very direct gross sense pleasures <clears throat> but the reality is that makes person more happier than these very much quantifiable uh, parameters which is money is of course one option property name fame position which in in the in the popular list where you are standing uh, these are all <clears throat> these are all very easily calculated items so now guess what this whole this whole research after completing the person who was doing the research he was happy to finish the research because it's he spent a lot of weeks in researching and talking and hearing the minds of such people he said i was so happy to finish the research because i was done with meeting so many miserable people uh, and because the only thing they had was money and things which they can really uh, uh, quantify from 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 the point of view of wealth power position mm. even in india you know this is this is this is catching up so fast that um we see in our in, our, in my own family i've seen this problem people are so much engrossed in especially when it comes to marriages uh it may not be a very serious issue in the west but in india it's a massive serious issue when it comes to marriage more than what is required for a successful marriage to happen the money is spent in showing others how much money we have there are there are rich businessmen who were asked in india um what is your concern he said while making money we have major two concerns mm, this is this is rich business community speaking in india how grand my daughter's marriage will be and how bigger the property i will have in which i will live and the cars i will have because culture is a little different problem is exactly the same the problem is exactly the same but because of some cultural differences the display of the problem is a little different very 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 much based on what people will perceive me as a successful person it's completely based on that and then you quantify it that how much i had before and how much money i have right now there are people and and this this number is in millions in india at least that they take loan for marriages and half of the life is gone in paying off loans i myself know families whose next generation is still paying off the loan for the marriage next generation can you imagine 
how much artificial the marriage must have been in terms of their reality, in terms of their current final condition, financial condition that time. That the next generation is also paying off the loans. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Nothing but for one reason, to show off our wealth, because the whole calculation, materially speaking, is done based on what makes me a success, what makes me a happier person is nothing but how much I have money than before and how my neighbors, in this context, how people perceive me in terms of my wealth. So when, when, the, whole, uh, when the whole existence is based on these two questions, it's a very shallow existence. Mm. That's why Lord Chaitanya, in his, in his uh, amazing teachings, uh, only eight verses Lord Chaitanya gave, which he wrote himself for the devotees to follow. And one of the very famous shloka is, Nadhanam, Najanam, Nasundarim, Kavitam ma Jagadisha Kamaye, Mama Janmani Janmanishwari, Bhavata Bhaktir Ahituki Tui. He's saying, O Lord of the Universe, and this is a very, very much required mood for a devotee. Without this mindset, without this very clear cut intention, Spiritual life is not going to go anywhere. And this, the, the mood is, oh Lord of the universe, I do not desire material wealth. Now, when a devotee says, I do not desire material wealth, that doesn't mean that everyone must move in the temple. That literally means that the goal of one's life is not to answer these two questions which we were discussing. Am I richer than before? And how my neighbors or the society is viewing me? So their goal is, okay, based on my karma, I do my certain activity, certain endeavor in terms of earning my livelihood. And then based on my karma, whatever comes, I accept it and remain satisfied in it. Now, for example, if someone is, is a businessman and that to a successful businessman, the money that successful businessman will earn in 9-10 hours of daily endeavor, will be much more than a person working in supermarket for nine hours. And that, what a person working in supermarket for nine hours will be much more than a person who is just doing, especially in India, if they are a rickshaw puller, uh, which may earn, according to Australian currency, just $200 a month, uh, with all the nine, 10 hours of hard work per day, will be very different. So based on one's skill, once karma, the results may come differently. And the devotee, in whatever condition one is, must be satisfied. And that's why this devotee is praying, My dear Lord, I do not desire material wealth, neither materialistic followers, hmm? nor a beautiful wife. That is for man's point of view and for woman's point of view, it's vice versa. Or fruitive activities described in flowery language. What I want then? If a devotee doesn't want any of these things, then what he wants? This devotee wants life after life, unmotivated devotional service to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So this is, this, this is a mindset which, which is developed uh, in, in, in the course of one's Krishna consciousness. That what I want to desire is nothing but unmotivated devotional service. The whole journey or the whole career of a devotee is focusing on this one desire. Uh, we may have tens of other desires, but the whole practice of Krishna Consciousness is to bring us 
as soon as possible to this one desire that I want nothing but pure devotional service and my lost relationship with Krishna. And nothing else is the in, in is in forefront of my desire. So, so but that's but that may not be practically possible right now. That may not be our realities right now because some of us may be beginning devotees. And because we are beginning devotees, the practice of devotional service, the practice of sadhana bhakti, the practice of regulated devotional service is a very is is of key importance. Even in Mahabharata, it's an amazing pastime that comes where uh, Yudhishthir Maharaj, all the Pandavas are already in the exile. They practically have no wealth. They are living in the forest, as simple as we can imagine they could be living. And many great sages are visiting them to associate with Yudhishthir and other five brothers because they are very saintly kings. And Vyasadev comes to meet Yudhishthir Maharaj. And Vyasadev uh, is speaking about uh, dharma, he's speaking about austerity, charity, asceticism, so many different topics Vyasadeva is speaking to Yudhishthir. Now Yudhishthir Maharaj asked a very amazing question. Yudhishthir says, O oh great Rishi, what is better to be an ascetic or to give charity? What is better? What is better to live as a yogi, a renounced life, or to give charity? And Yudhishthira's question is, which produces a better result and which is more difficult to practice? To give up everything or to give charity? His question is to Vyasadeva. Hmm? It's a very interesting answer Vyasadeva gives to Yudhishthira. Now Vyasadeva is the compiler of all the Vedic scriptures. The conclusion he gives no one else can know better of it. And of course, he is speaking in the context of Yudhishthira Maharaj, who is a Kshatriya. Hmm. So, this instruction may apply different to someone who is in the renounced order of life, because they don't have money anyways. Hmm. A person who is a sannyasi or a Brahmachari, they don't have money anyways. But from Yudhishthira's point of view, Vyasadeva replied, Oh child, there is nothing more difficult than to practice charity. Hmm. Men thirst for wealth and obtain it after great effort. Risking their lives, they enter the depths of the sea and the forest in search of wealth. There is nothing they will not do to become rich. Therefore, it is extremely difficult to part with hard-earned wealth. And if someone can give charity from their hard-earned money, Vyasadeva says that is even more difficult than renouncing the world. When I read this, this statement I read before also, it just didn't make much sense to me that time. But then I was speaking to one brahmachari and that brahmachari literally said that it's difficult for me to give up everything, my career and become a brahmachari, but to give donation was harder. Because I worked so hard for it and then then for me to give charity, it was, it was difficult than me renouncing everything. <laughs> this is exactly what the devotee told me. Why? Because there is a lot of investment of emotions that takes place, a lot of attachment that happens while you are earning that wealth. That's why, that's why it's very difficult to be charitable. Mm -hmm. So here in this particular verse, two, 
two distractions Srila Prabhupada mentions in the purport for a devotee, for a practicing devotee. That one is money, other is attraction to opposite sex. Man, for man it's woman, for woman it's man, of course. So, now of course in today's society, third, fourth options are also there, but, but we'll just go to, stick to the standards. So, um, now when these two when these two distractions are there, to deal with them is a very important question which we all should ask ourselves. Especially the attraction for opposite sex is, can be very distracting. Even though it's a need, but still this need must be curbed. Not restricted, but curbed. Uh, and what curbing means is it must be placed in its proper position, the way it should be. Mm. So, uh, I'll read something from this same canto, later in 15th chapter, on Srila Prabhupada quoting Vishma Chakravarti Thakur. And he gives very direct, very clear, very amazing instruction on this topic. That how to deal with this desire of, of wealth, of envy, of attraction towards opposite sex. Because, as in terms of having biological needs, it's a real need. It's not an artificial need for a man to, to, to basically want a woman or for a woman to want man. And, and that's why the institution of marriage is, is very relevant. Where, where one is not constantly just worried about opposite gender. One is not constantly worried about having intimacy or contact with opposite gender. One is, one is focusing on higher principles and following dharma, one already has a partner. So Vishwana Chakra Thakur says, this is very amazing, he says, one can conquer lusty desires for sense gratification. Now how to do it? He says, one cannot give up thinking about women. For thinking in this way is natural. Even while walking on street, one will see so many women. So now, take it in the context of vice as vice versa for women towards men. However, if one is determined to not live with a woman, even while seeing a woman, he will not become lusty. Now this goes to the extreme of, of a renounced order, but the same principle can be applied even as a grastha, that one is satisfied with the partner one has, instead of trying to have multiple relationships. Even while seeing a woman, he will not become lusty. If one is determined to not have sex, he can automatically conquer lusty desires. The example given in this regard is that even if one is hungry, if on a particular day, he or she is determined to observe fasting, he can naturally conquer the disturbance of hunger and thirst. If one is determined to not be envious of anyone, he can naturally conquer anger. Similarly, one can give up the desire to accumulate wealth simply by considering how difficult it is to protect the money in one's possession. If one keeps large amount of cash with him, he is always anxious about keeping it properly. Thus, if one discusses the disadvantages of accumulating wealth, he can naturally give up this business without difficulty. So, when I was reading this instruction, it, it makes a lot of sense because 
Bhagavad-gita Krishna very specifically says that when you meditate on an object again and again, more and more, it turns into intense desire to have that object. Now that object can be wealth, woman, man, position, power, status, property. Hmm. But this, the instruction here is very amazing. He says, if one is determined to not have that object, if one is very clear in one's head, in one's head, I just don't want to do anything with that particular thing. And if this preaching is done to the mind, as towards the end, Vishnu Chakra Thakur says, if one discusses this disadvantages in one's mind, the disadvantage of having that, then one can conquer over that desire eventually. Why? Because one is not meditating on enjoying that particular object. The, the problem comes a lot when there is meditation on that particular object. And that's why they said, you don't, you, don't, you don't have to do a course to become a drunkard. You just become friends with those who are drunkards. And what happens is the constant discussion about the glories of drinking alcohol becomes your meditation. And because of that meditation becomes so thick in our consciousness, we try to act. And people turn into addiction, get into addiction uh, in later stages. But how it begins is nothing but just meditation on that particular subject matter. Mm. So if the meditation can be, can be curtailed, we can do a lot of help. We can do great justice uh, to our own self in, in order to achieve this very difficult goal of, of undistracted Krishna conscious practice. If this goal can be achieved by devotees where they are not so much distracted, then practicing Krishna consciousness becomes easier because the process of Krishna consciousness is very potent. It's very powerful. Lot of lot of uh, agony, lot of pain is experienced by devotees when they don't practice this one item, and that is to protect themselves from distraction. There is a lot of pain and agony experienced in practicing devotees' lives when, when, when one, don't, one doesn't avoid distractions. So it's exactly like Srila Prabhupada gives a very simple example. That you come, you chant, you dance, you eat prasadam, you hear Bhagavatam, you light the fire of devotional service. And then you go out in the world and you start meditating on everything that, is, that has the potential to, to take us away. And you add, you throw a whole bucket of water on the small fire you just ignited in the morning in the temple. Mm. And then next day again we come and we again ignite the fire by attending some program in the temple. And then we go out in the world and we again throw water. So, and then after five years, ten years, we start complaining. Or even two years, three years, we start complaining that, oh, Krishna consciousness doesn't work because it promised that the fire will be ignited and the fire will be glowing, glowing like anything. The fire of devotional service will be so attractively glowing in my life. That's what the promise you all made. When you said chant Hare Krishna and you'll be happy. But uh, what I see after five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years is that uh, there's no fire. And the whole blame goes on the practice of Krishna consciousness. 
the whole blame goes on the promises devotees made the whole blame goes on promises the acharyas and the scriptures have made but we forgot that we didn't stop putting water hmm? we were throwing water so much that that even though this the potency of krishna consciousness was there to burn down all material desires we didn't let it happen and that's why again i'm repeating if one can protect one from the disturbance this distractions can cause the amazing effects of krishna consciousness will take its shape the amazing effects of krishna consciousness will be very much visibly seen why because the lord is very merciful lord by his nature is very very merciful hmm? this is the the parama aishwaryam the most superior opulence of the supreme lord is that he, he is very much compassionate and merciful towards his devotee hmm? literally the word used is parama aishwaryam we'll read that verse soon where the lord is glorified as that your most supreme opulence is your protection your affection towards your devotee hmm? and that's why we see uh, just if you see comparison of being of of demons coming and attacking the devotees in which in krishna's past time lot of demons came and their their plan was to kill krishna and in order to kill krishna they were disturbing the residents of vrindavan many such demons came and what result krishna gave to them he just killed them all these demons were outright killed with no discussion why they just came and they disturbed the residents of vrindavan and they came to kill krishna they had envy in their heart towards krishna and they wanted to kill krishna now you see in contrast in the govardhan past time when indra lord indra king of heaven when he sent the samvartaka clouds which is the which are the clouds of destruction the intention indra had was not to just kill krishna or not to just disturb the vrindavan vasis his intention was hari krishna his intention was that he wanted to kill every single resident of vrindavan including all the animals none of the demon came with that intention that they will destroy the whole vrindavan every single person in vrindavan will be killed no even putna came she wanted to kill the babies all other demons came they just must have disturbed few other people here and there but they wanted to kill krishna even indra came he wanted to kill every single resident of vrindavan hmm everybody why because krishna just stopped his worship if you see the contrast how krishna has responded to both the situations in one side he has just killed the demon out outright and in indra's case krishna did not even chastise him heavily krishna did not even insulted him in public privately indra came and asked forgiveness after krishna lifted the govardhan hill and indra understood his problem mistake for 7 days in minutes putna was killed in minutes all the demons were killed but for 7 days krishna was just doing his leela why because at heart indra is a devotee his intentions towards the supreme lord is not of envy sometimes affected by material opulence he gets disturbed so this 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 nature of the supreme lord towards his devotees actually brings this question of this whole bhagavatam canto 
whether Lord is partial or impartial. He appears very partial towards his devotee. Why so? Hmm? We'll read one verse from Srimad Bhagavatam from 11th canto, 5th chapter, verse number 42. Svapadamulam bhajata priyasya tetyaktyanta bhavasya hari prayesha vikarma yachot patitam kathanchet dunoti sarvam hridisanni vishtha He says, the Lord is so kind to the devotees who is fully surrendered to his lotus feet that even though the devotee sometimes falls into the entanglement of vikarma, serious material sinful activities, and act against the Vedic directions, the Lord at once rectifies such mistakes from within the heart of a devotee. This is because the devotees are very dear to the Lord. Taktyanta bhavasya is a very significant word in this shloka, which says that this devotee has given up all other engagements and has taken shelter of the Lord. But yet, due to some problem, some wrong association, some misguided intention, this devotee commits a big mistake, a, a serious sinful activity. But what does the verse says? The Lord at once rectifies such mistakes from within the heart of a devotee. Why? Because the devotee, this devotee has given up other engagements and has taken full shelter at the lotus feet of the Lord. Now, one of the statements in the, one of the uh, uh, statements made by the Lord is Shruti Smriti Mamay Agya. The scriptural injunctions, whether it's in the Vedas or in the Puranas, are my orders. So the, the, the question comes from the, from, from if someone is confused about this behavior of the Lord, the question comes is, is it not that Lord is violating his own order, because the Lord says that all the injunctions given in the Vedas and the Puranas are my instructions. But here this devotee, by committing sinful activity, by committing vikarma, is actually going against the instructions of the Lord. So then why does the Lord pardon? Why does the Lord not punish? Or why does He punish in His own way, which is a very polite way, than material nature punishing that devotee? The word used in this verse is Priyasya, that the devotees are very dear to Him. The devotees of the Lord are very dear to Him. And that's why the Lord appears partial towards His devotees. And He is actually speaking. Even though uh, it, it sounds nice to say the Lord is impartial, but technically speaking, He is partial towards His devotees. <laughs> Lord is partial towards His devotees. But only thing he's impartial about is giving everyone a chance to become his devotee. But when someone accepts devotional service and only Krishna as the source of one's shelter, then he becomes partial. Then he shows partiality. And in many, many cases we have seen, and Indra is a very classic example in comparison to Hiranyakashipu, if you see, uh, Indra is, uh, Indra, Lord just pardoned. And there are many such examples, Lord just pardoned. He just didn't even, he just didn't even, uh, this, this, this didn't even discuss about it, about that matter. Recently one devotee was mentioning me the pastime of, of Akrura. Akrura was Krishna's uncle. 
he and another devotee schemed to kill Krishna's own father-in-law. Him and another, another devotee, they schemed and killed Krishna's own father-in-law. And Krishna's wife was in so much pain because his father was killed, her father was killed. And Krishna didn't even discuss the topic or chastised him in public because he was devotee of the Lord. From within only, he rectifies the situation. Now it's very difficult when a person outside hears this and, and it very much appears that this person is extremely partial. But what to do? Prabhupada gives the example, this is the nature of the Lord. He, devotees are priyasya, he is very dear to him, exactly like a child. A child which is so much adored and loved by the father, a child can commit mistakes accidentally. But the father just lovingly pardons, uh, doesn't take the offense to the heart. He just pardons and the Lord is like that. Mm. And this is his Param Aishwaryam. This is his greatest opulence. Amongst all other qualities, all other opulences of the Lord, him being Bhakta Vatsal, him being very much uh, affectionate to his devotees is, is his key opulence. Tomorrow is Ram Naomi. So similar nature is displayed by Lord Ram and very attractive. Lord Ram take, takes it to next level. Bhakta Vatsal means one who is very affectionate to one's devotees. Lord Ram takes it to the level that in Ramayana he is described as Ripuna Vatsal. That he is merciful even on those, those who thought him as enemies and gave him trouble. Now what to speak of the devotees. Lord Ram showed his compassion like that. And a very classic example is, is given when when Mantra, <coughs> Mantra who was the maid servant of Kaikai, which was one of the mothers of Lord Ram, not the biological mother, but, but one of the mothers. Uh, from the Leela point of view, Kaushalya gave birth to Lord Ram. Sumitra and Kaikai were the stepmothers of Lord Ram. So Kaikai was instigated by Mantra, her maid servant, to banish Lord Ram because he was going to get coronated as a king next day, as a prince. And she reminded Kaikai of the two boons Dasharat, the father of Lord Ram, had given her that you, she saved him in the battle and then he said to her out of affection, you ask me two things. And she said, I am not interested, maybe later. So Mantra reminded her, this is the time you ask these two boons. And what were the two boons? Ram's younger brother Bharat should become the king of Ayodhya and Ram should be banished to the forest for 14 years. It was very heartbreaking for the whole kingdom because how much they loved Ram. We'll, we'll just discuss one of his qualities. And one of the qualities we just spoke about is that he's not just merciful to his devotees, he even, he's even merciful to those who thought him as enemies. Uh, what nature is that? Well, how, how much can someone be compassionate? Mm. So, Kekai became the reason that Lord Ram had to go to the forest. Sita followed his wife and Lakshman also followed. Mm. In Bhagavad Puran, this, in, Bhagavad, in, in second canto, seventh chapter, this verse comes, Asmat Prasad Sumukh Kalaya Kalesha Ishvaku Vamsad Avatirya. 
due to his causeless mercy upon the living entities within the universe. The Supreme Lord, along with this plenary expansion, appeared in the family of Ishwaku as Lord Ram, uh, Lord of his internal potency, Sita. So now, when Lord Ram is in the forest, Bharat came, when Bharat found out that this is what my mother has done, and, he, and she has banished Ram, and she wants me to be the king, Bharat came with the whole Praja army to beg Lord Ram that please come back to Ayodhya and you become the king. And Lord Ram just gave him his sandals, that you take my sandal and, and you, you can... Bharat actually asked for his sandals and he kept the sandals of the Lord on the throne. <coughs> and he was working as a, as a servant of those sandals of Lord Ram, basically. Like on Vyasasana, this was the king's throne. The, the slippers of Lord Ram were kept and Bharat would sit down on the floor and rule the kingdom. Because king was Lord Ram, whose slippers were on the throne. So then Lord Ram told Bharat that please do one thing for me. That please forgive your mother and don't mistreat her. And who is this mother? Who was the reason to banish Lord Ram for exile? She is the woman who caused, she is the woman who took away the kingdom from Lord Ram. Now imagine any materialistic person even thinking like that. Impossible. Someone who takes away the kingdom. Imagine someone comes to our house and takes away all our property. Uh, and we are praying for the welfare of the person who has taken away our property. Very difficult. Only a very devotional heart can do that. But Lord Ram is telling Bharat that you be very kind to your mother and don't mistreat her. <clears throat> it doesn't stop there. After he killed Ravana, the demon, all the demigods came to shower flowers on him and thank him. So along with the devatas, his father, Dasharath, who had died, also comes. And, and he is also glorifying Ram that I am so fortunate that you came as my son. And out of his affection for Ram, he says to Lord Ram, now you ask me anything you want, Ram. I want to give you something as a boon. And what does Lord Ram says? When Lord Ram was banished by Kekai, his mother, Dasharat, his father, declared publicly that from today onwards, I abandon you as my wife and Bharat as my son. <clears throat> so Lord Ram told uh, Dasharat Maharaj, that please take your words back and accept Kekai and Bharat back again. And the Devatas were shocked. What kind of person is he? Hmm? <clears throat> He's Ripuna Vassal. Even those who were acting towards him due to animosity, he is merciful to them also. Hmm? So that's Lord Ram's glories. Tomorrow is Ram Naomi. Um, I'll just read one verse from Ramayan. And I end there. It says, Rama 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 iti prajanam abhavan katha Rama bhutam jagat bhud Rame rajyam prashashati While Ram ruled the kingdom, the talks of people centered <coughs> around Ram, Ram and only Ram. The world became Ram's world. Why? Because of his compassion towards everyone, Everyone in Ayodhya in the kingdom was only talking 
about ram and nothing else all their talks all their conversations would somehow or other pass through ram and that is krishna consciousness all about all our conversations all our life is nothing but centered around krishna or lord ram for that matter <clears throat> hare krishna just few points these were the few points i just wanted to discuss from this verse is there any question or comment we can discuss <clears throat> Krishna, thank you for the lecture. Um, you mentioned that if our mind focuses on something, and especially during chanting, because we think of it as an object of um, sense gratification, and uh, we should think of it as not a, <laughs> an object of sense gratification. But how can we trick my mind if you know, you're still, in a way, focusing on it by saying, no, 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 I will not enjoy it. Um, but you know in your heart that you will enjoy it. So how do we kind of surpass that? Um. Yeah, um, two things. First is, which we discussed in the class, that is, if we can avoid meditation on that object, thoughts will come. Many, many proposals of the mind will also come. <clears throat> many proposals from the world also will come. Take this, enjoy this, do this. For a devotee, uh, the, the hardest thing a devotee can do and the most successful way of progressing a devotee can do is stop meditating on the object. Uh, but that's, that's what not to do. But then what to do is that our object of meditation should be very much centered around the Supreme Lord. And that can be in many different ways. That can be through devotional service, in terms of physically engaging our body, mind, senses in serving the Lord, through chanting the holy names, reading scriptures, associating with devotees, Harinam, book distribution. Actually, if you see the way Prabhupada has instituted ISKCON, uh, there is so much of positive engagement and little bit of discussion is there of what not to do. If we see the whole spectrum of Krishna consciousness, the four regulatory principles are very tiny of tiny takes very tiny space in our Krishna conscious lifestyle, culture. But there is a lot of positive engagement in our spiritual Krishna conscious practices. But if we neglect what not to do, it has the potency to overpower everything positive which we do. That's why the, the, this, this, the, from Sadhana Bhakti's point of view, from following devotional service, in terms of regulated devotional service, it's very important uh, and can't be enough stressed that we must stop sinning or the thoughts which can lead to sin, meditation on those thoughts also. And then what happens if we can stop sinning, then we give an opportunity for Krishna and his potencies to work on us. And that's why we were discussing previously also that till the time the heart is purified to its to major extent, the process of devotional life is exactly going on a steep slope upwards. It's a steep walk up the hill because there's a lot of baggage we are carrying from, not from this life, from previous lifetimes also. But if these two things can be done, positively engaged and not sin, 
then gradually the weight of the bag reduces and the steep walk upwards also becomes starts to flatten and that journey of krishna consciousness is we are all waiting for that when there is no weight on the back and it has flattened and in later stages the slope is downwards and we are just running towards krishna now we are uphill there's a lot of hard work and the hard work is of not meditating on something which increases our baggage by krishna's mercy by devotee's mercy we have started walking upwards towards the supreme lord that is the great news but if the bag weight increases so much you imagine you know we rolling down like a ball backwards and it happens it happens to so many people they start the krishna conscious process take an endeavor make a decision give a commitment take initiation accept a guru okay let's start the journey upwards then the devotees who are helping us to walk upwards we give them up we start increasing our weight by committing more and more sinful activities by focusing more and more on sense enjoyment the weight increases increases and then we just see ourselves rolling downwards and we have so much weight that to to walk stand up and walk again seems impossible unless we become humble again and ask devotees please can you help me get up and walk help me walk again but my point is why to bring us ourselves to that situation why to bring ourselves in that situation where we all the hard work we did we have done we roll back again why not just reduce the weight and let the reach to the sta- reach reach in our krishna consciousness to a stage where the steep walk upwards becomes flattened so that's why these two things are very much recommended in our devotional practices so mind's nature is to give us options uh, which are uh, lower in nature but there is another faculty within us that's called intelligence and if that intelligence is nourished enough with right information right knowledge right guidance then mind can be neglected the whole process is that uh, thank you hare krishna many times uh, we see the practice of krishna consciousness as a very happy joyful practice and controlling the senses appears very difficult so we say oh but i came for joy and this is hard work so why to worry about hard work let me be joyful but no <laughs> the problem is the joy will go in some time if this hard work is not done by any one of us including me sitting here speaking like as if i have done it but no the problem is same for all of us no. hari krishna thank you for class uh, i don't have a question but can you share that verse where you discuss uh, vishuna chakra thakur commentary what yeah, not that to is, meditate yeah that is that uh, is verse number 7th se- canto verse number 15 of chapter number 15 verse number 22 thank 7, you 7 15 22 thank you anything else or we finish ग्रंथराज श्रीमद्भागतम की जय शील प्रभुपाद की जय हरे कृष्ण
ಸಂದೇಹಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರು 